We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Tonight's Cast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network. We are closing out July, heading into August. Training camp has begun, and I am joined by the one and only – Dan, is this two weeks in a row that we were recording? Like, you know, it's like a record. You know, it's been a rough summer for us, but we're, we're chugging along. Uh, Dan, how are you? I'm, I'm good. Day, days and times inconsistent, but we're here, and that's what matters been been dealing with sick kids sick family and then randomly i got sick with nothing that anybody else had so it's been it's been a really normal summer because everybody gets sick in the summer oh absolutely all righty let's get into the show right before we started recording on july 27th it was reported that so it's reported and tweeted so dalvin cook tweeted like a highlight reel against the, the Dolphins. So, like, initially when I thought that, when I saw that, I was like, oh, he's going to go to the, the Dolphins. Like, he's like, oh, I, like, like, this is the team I tore up. But no, um, the reports are he's he's heading to the Jets for a workout this weekend. I would be very surprised with how the Jets situation is with the fact that they just restructured Aaron Rodgers' contract, that they let Dalvin Cook leave New York without signing as a New York Jet. Um, the Jets and the Dolphins were really the two, like, leaders in the clubhouse for this signing. Um, we'll start, we'll start with, do you think this is like a 90, 95% lock that Dalvin Cook is now a jet? Yeah, I, I would say if, if Rogers hadn't just restructured, if that wasn't part of the news, I would say it was maybe 50, 50. I still think that there are other better destinations, but I'm sure Dalvin wants to win and I, I, you know, he'll take what he can get. Um, it sounds like the money's close for a lot of these teams. So he's going to pick probably what he feels best about. And he may just be using this as leverage for Miami because I, I, I have to imagine he would rather be in Miami, but the jets are probably going to be a pretty darn good football team, especially now you add Aaron Rodgers, you're going to bring in uh, a bell cow type back to go with, 
what should still be once healthy and you kind of slowly bring him along an electric weapon in Brees Hall, not just strictly in the running back role, but um, that that team's going to have so many weapons. And, and I mean, this is going to be aside from maybe the, you know, early Jordy Nelson in that in that wide receiver crew in Green Bay. This is probably pretty easily going to be Aaron Rodgers best set of weapons. Uh, you know, you have Garrett Wilson. If you bring in Dalvin Cook, you have Brees Hall, who will be coming back from injury, but is still obviously electric. The, the rest of that wide receiver room is is pretty damn strong as well. It sounds like Corey Davis has been doing well in camp. Uh, you know, you add McCole Hardman, who's a, a you know, a down the field, deep threat type. And you have your alpha with Garrett Wilson. So Aaron Rodgers is going to have the pick of the litter as far as what what he wants to do. Uh, especially if Dalvin goes there. Now, I do think that it's not great for Brees. I think um, it destroys both of their floors and ceilings, but I do think both of them could end up being mid to low-end RB2 types because that offense will be able to produce, and I think they'll score enough touchdowns where those guys will be usable. See, my one thing with Dalvin and Brees is I think that Dalvin is only good as long as Brees is still recovering slash hobbled. Like, if, if we see 2022 Brees and Dalvin, 2022 Brees is going to get, like, 15 carries and Dalvin's going to get five. But I don't know if we're going to see 2022 Brees Hall in maybe even in 2023 at all. So In 2024, um, you'll see that Brees. I, I, not after a, a, a an actual injury like that. Yeah, so I, I think that you're right that it mostly hurts the, the floor of both those those guys and I, I don't think it necessarily limits the ceiling of I think the fact that the Jets can be a very good offense actually helps the ceiling of Dalvin Cook because like he could easily become like a eight to ten touchdown type guy and I don't know how many other offenses in the NFL he could have become that even as like a one a one b running back type situation so there's that I I think that of the like two RB type rooms I think this is one of the more promising ones to actually have both two both RBs like legitimate, like top 24 options because I think the Jets are going to be such a good offense with Aaron Rodgers and because both running backs are so talented. So um, I, I do think it's a slight, slight bump down for, for Brees. Um, if you can use this as, as a buying opportunity in dynasty for Brees, I'm absolutely doing it. Still giving two firsts for Brees, um, you know, still giving up, you know, second round startup type value. Um, I don't think this really impacts his dynasty value at all. I think if, if you were counting on Brees, to be a top 12 RB as part of your, you know, valuation of him in 2023, that was miscalculated anyways. So um, that's where I'm at. I think that slight bump up to Dalvin because of the fact that like, it's always good to just have a team. Like, you know, it's <laughs> always the wonder, like, are you going to get signed? Dalvin got signed, so he's fine. Or actually, he's not even signed yet. But in this hypothetical scenario where he signs with the Jets, he got signed. So that's a slight bump up for him. Yeah, I mean – Obviously, obviously, Dalvin's going to gain value signing with any team. I, I, I don't love it long term, but you know the the. Well, there is 20, no long, it's going to be a one year deal. There's no long term for it. Well, it could potentially lead to future deals, but if he shows up and he sucks, which he shouldn't because he's not washed, even though everybody seems to think he is. Um, I, I mean, I think it's going to lead to just more contracts. Whereas if he shows up, if he's bad, that I mean. It, there's a world where he just re-signs there and is just a com- like, you know comfortable being a backup running back. But I, I do think that there's 
there's a good chance that both of these guys can produce. Uh, again, assuming Brees is, is fully healthy and he's able to play right away, which I don't know if necessarily is the case. Um, I think it could be Dalvin early, and then they slowly phase him out for Brees. And, I mean, that's going to just provide fresh legs for the back half of the season and the playoff run. And and this team could potentially be scary if that's how, the, how they decide to do it in the playoffs by having probably two pretty fresh running backs. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that's our brief Dalvin Cook uh, talk. I, I, is there any concern with having two, you know, good running backs in Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall? Any concern for the passing ceiling of Aaron Rodgers? I don't really necessarily think so. I, I don't. I don't think the Jets are gonna, like. I think the Jets are going to be a good team. They're going to be a playoff team. I don't think they're going to be like blowing out teams where like, okay, now we're going to grind out the clock with Hall and, and Cook the rest of the way. Well, I think they're going to be very balanced because. Yes, you have Aaron Rodgers, but you also don't need and or want Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball 50 times a game. I think your sweet spot with him is going to be that 35 to 40, and that's just going to elevate a little bit of the of that rushing floor for whoever's carrying the ball. Uh, I, I think it'll probably end up being a little bit of a split there, but you're you're going to have enough touches on both sides of the ball, and with with what Aaron Rodgers can do. I don't think that there's any reason to believe that the passing offense takes a hit for sure, just based on who their quarterback has been. And obviously, again, you have Garrett Wilson. He, I mean, he very realistically could end up being like a top three or four wide receiver this year, depending on on how that offense runs. But, you know, there, there's a chance you've got two, you know, top 30 running backs and, and two top 20 four I would probably I would I could guess wide receivers but I, I do think that there's going to be more fantasy value with Dalvin and Brees than there will be with Garrett Wilson Corey Davis McCall Hardman um, but I do think that Aaron Rodgers alone could be worth a nice you know if you're contending I think if there was ever a time to have Aaron Rodgers in the last eight to ten years this might this might be one of the times that he could just absolutely go off and and the one upside from Dynasty and something that's definitely going to increase his price if you're looking to buy is the two year deal. You know, I, I think yep. that a lot of people like I didn't I wasn't necessarily on team like this is a one year experiment for the Jets and Rodgers, but I, I do think that especially with the capital that they gave up to acquire Rodgers and then the, the re-signing, I think that this is a minimum. It looks like two year deal now in terms not contract but two year deal in terms of Rodgers playing for the Jets. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's move on to the rest of the show. We have the backup RB show. So Dalvin Cook, projected backup running back. Let's talk about our favorites, least favorites, the roles of some of the backup running backs in the NFL. Um, we'll start off in Denver. Samaj P. Ryan signed by the Denver Broncos. Javante Williams recovering from an injury. He is practicing, so that is a positive for him and those that are interested in Javante Williams. I think P. Ryan has quietly been one of the best backup running backs in the NFL, you know, over the last couple of years behind Joe Mixon and, you know, increasing that role as a, as a, in the passing game as well. This Denver offense has the ability to rebound. So let's, let's start off by this just overall with Samaj P. Ryan, is he a hand handcuff only, uh, you know, waiting for, for Javante Williams to get healthy. Do you think he has standalone value if, if Javante Williams is playing? What are your thoughts on Samaje right now? No, I, I mean I think you're spot on. We, he's he's one of the more underrated, uh, undervalued running backs 
in the league and and he hasn't said boo about it. He just shows up, <laughs> puts the pads on and goes to work. Uh, and, and you've also got to remember this is a Sean Payton offense. And aside from his most recent season, 2021 maybe, uh, there's precedent for multiple backs in an offense to perform and do well. If you look back to Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara, uh, I mean, that that started off with Ingram and then Kamara, you know, took some of the work. But for the most part, they had two backs carrying the ball, you know, 120 to 140 times plus each. So with Javante not 100%, but practicing, I would guess that we're going to see more maybe Samaj AP Ryan than we would have expected with a healthy Javante. But I absolutely believe that this is going to be a two-back backfield. Uh, even just looking back pre-Sean Payton, you know, Melvin Gordon was here and getting all the work when, you know, when Javante was very clearly the better back. I don't know that that necessarily matter- matters. Uh, it was very clear in New Orleans that Alvin Kamara was worlds beyond Mark Ingram, and yet Mark Ingram kept getting the work. So I think you're going to have two backs here that are going to run for over 700 yards apiece. Uh, I think Javante will probably end up having a better efficiency numbers, and I think Samaj P. Ryan's probably going to end up having a higher touchdown total. Uh, I, I hate saying that, but a, a Sean Payton offense, that's just the way things are going to be. Uh, I, I think it's going to be more heavily uh, aimed in the in the passing game. I think you're going to see Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, uh, and everybody involved, uh, Marvin Mims, you know, if, if whoever ends up pulling through in this offense. Uh, is is going to have a season, whether it's your top three wide receivers or your top two running backs, because that is what he's going to lean on. And there's precedent for the tight end position as well. So uh, I, I think Samaj P. Ryan is going to be a problem for Javante in the short term. Uh, but I do think that both will produce. And I do think both uh, a lot like the Jets, even though, you know, the Jets backfield, you have two elite backs in Brees and Dalvin. I don't see a world where Javante and Samaj Piran aren't putting up big time numbers because it's a Sean Payton offense. Uh, th- this this could really well be the the comeback of the century as far as from one year to the next. You know, 2022 Denver Broncos to 2023 Denver Broncos. These could be two very very different teams. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that in terms of like your redraft type teams or your win now type targets in dynasty. P. Ryan's perfect because I don't think he disappears with Javante there. He's going to be, you know, your bi-week fill-in, your injury fill-in type guy, even with Javante healthy. And if he and if Javante is not healthy, whether it's because he, you know, is still recovering from an injury or if he gets injured again, he's going to be in position for like 20 touches in that Denver offense. So, yeah, I think there's some huge upside with Samaj P. Ryan right now. Um, and it definitely doesn't, it doesn't, like, it's not connected to his cost. Like, in Dynasty, you can probably get some AJP around for a couple thirds or a late second. And I think it's a very fair cost, especially if you need a running back. And there's a non-zero chance that he's sitting on your waiver wire as well. So I definitely, definitely uh, get a I, bit I think, out of this. I think your league would have to be pretty shallow to have a waiver wire if you run. And, and honestly, if it is shallow, he's one of the, I would say, few backups that actually has some scoring potential outside of an actual injury this year. I think I think someone like Pierre and I think someone like Dalvin Cook, uh, you know, going into backup situations. I think there's maybe a couple a couple others that we have listed here down the line, but um, th- there's real production possibility there. So keep an eye out for Samaje. And like Nathan said, if you can acquire him for, for a couple of thirds or honestly even a late second, 
uh, I, I still think he's he's probably going to be doing this for a little while longer, and he's been pretty darn effective uh, as as his career has started. And I mean, he's been around for a bit, but he's he's no old man. So uh, I think there's plenty left in that tank, especially if he's working with limited touches. You know, eight to twelve per game. He's still going to do some damage with that, and obviously if Javante Williams isn't healthy, he's going to get a brunt of the work and could potentially be in for you know an RB1-type start in in Denver. So it, it, it could be anything, but I do, I do like this backfield for potential points. I don't love it for high-end bell cow-type status. I just don't see that happening in this offense. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's go on to the next running back. The question is, with Josh Jacobs holding out, is is the Zanier White show a, a possibility? A, is is that a potential scenario for the Las Vegas Raiders? So I guess the the two the two prong question is: Is there actually a legitimate chance that Josh Jacobs misses games due to holdout? And does Zanier White greatly benefit if that even happens? Well, Zanier White would have to be you know able to play football for it to benefit him. Uh, he's pretty bad, but I do think that there is relevance in the holdout for Josh Jacobs. You know, we, we Saquon signed, so obviously that, that changes things kind of for the market a little bit. But that also means that Josh Jacobs probably isn't going to get the number that he wants considering what Saquon agreed to. Uh, and, and those two, I think, of the holdout possibilities were the only two with merited holdout reasons. I don't think the Tony Pollard holdout is ever going to last, ever going to do anything. If he's still even holding out, I don't, I don't know how he could. Yes, I get he had a fine season, and he, he's projected to do much better than I believe he actually will. Uh, Josh Jacobs and and Saquon were, I mean, they've been doing this. <laughs> they've been leading the league in these things for a little while here. So um, I do fear a Jacobs holdout. However, uh, I think at this point in his career, it, Probably will end up hurting him more than helping him, uh, a la Le'Veon Bell. You know, doing doing this in your prime probably isn't the best idea. And yes, I get they're trying to reset the running back market and figure these things out for everybody else so they can benefit in the future. But if your goal is to show up on Sunday and you know score touchdowns and get some yards on your on your stat sheet, then then probably not great because this is when he's probably going to be at his best. So I do think Zamir is you know that direct line for you know who's next but i don't think that it necessarily is going to matter yeah it's going to be volume but he's bad well according to our lads depth chart which are normally pretty accurate in terms of what the teams are looking at they actually have amir abdullah as rb2 brandon bolden as rb3 and zamir white as rb4 so my my concern with zamir white would more so be and i think this is why i think he's a huge sell i don't even know if he's the rb1 if if Josh Jacobs does hold out, and guess what? Even if he, even this area where he is the RB one, I don't even know if he's guaranteed the return value on like a tenth to twelfth round type redraft value. Like, there's just so many factors that could result in Samir White being bad or non-existent that I'm not buying even in the potential holdout. Right. I still don't think that. I don't. I think that all running backs learn that the holdout thing isn't necessarily going to work. I think much likely to go to more. Much more likely to go the Melvin Gordon route, where you set up half the year than the full Le'Veon Bell route. Um, but I still think that, like, I'm I'm betting on I'm putting my chips on Josh Jacobs playing. You know, as long as he's healthy. 
So I'm, I'm definitely selling some your white if there's any sort of increase in value based on the Josh Jacobs holdout. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be putting any any, <laughs> any chips in that corner. I'm, I, I'm hoping that Josh Jacobs and and the Raiders can figure out a contract so he can play because he he is one of the best backs in the league and he deserves to be out there and he he definitely is still as we stand today undervalued Josh Jacobs. So if he's not there, I would imagine they either bring somebody else in or they don't plan on running the football at all. <laughs> okay, would you like one one reason to believe in a potential breakout for Zemir White? No, I wouldn't, but you can tell okay. me. Okay, so I'm looking at the Rotoviz range of outcomes app, one of my favorite apps that we use. I use promo code RVRADIO2023 for 10% discount. Um, on the Rotoviz range of outcomes app, so his two most likely outcomes are two to three points per game and six to seven points per game. So neither of those are good. But there is one one outcome for Zemir White, which I'm guessing this is somehow that like the entire Raiders backfield diseases. There's one outcome where Zemir White scores 22 to 23 points per game. <laughs> that is in within his range of outcomes, and it's actually because of James Conner. Uh, James Conner is that match. Uh, that, you know, day three running back in the situation that he's in. But Zemir White, I don't think we're projecting to be the next James Conner. Well, you got to remember, James Conner at one point, pre-cancer, was like the best running back in the nation. And was, well, was, well, super, was and, and Zemir White was highly sought after, but that never made him good. Well, yeah, I mean, well, the problem was Zemir White like tore his ACL twice in high school and right. was still like the number one recruit in college. Uh, but, you know, had an okay college career. It hasn't obviously done anything to the NFL at this point. Let is let us resume to our next one. Another injury slash holdout question mark. Gus Edwards is back at running back for the Baltimore Ravens. They did sign Melvin Gordon and J.K. Dobbins. Like according to John Harbaugh, uh, or is it Jim Harbaugh? John, Jim or John? It's Jim. Jim. No, John. It's John. It's John. According to John Harbaugh, it he made it seem. Like it might more be a contract thing than than a, a injury thing because when asked about like oh when is J.K. Dobbins going to be practicing, they were like you have to ask J.K. So, um, do you think Dobbins is injured in sake of a contract or both? Uh, well, it, given the odds of his injury history and also the fact that his contract uh, is up, both. I, I think that he not only isn't healthy, but he's also trying to find a reason to get healthy and show up for the Baltimore Ravens because he hasn't done so really yet. And I I, I don't know how you could justify holding out when you really have done nothing in your NFL career so far. So I'm not holding my breath over J.K. Dobbins anymore. I mean, the, the talent was very clearly there. Staying on the field has been an issue. And now if we're going to deal with a contract dispute, I, I, I'm kind of over that. I do still think Gus Edwards is going to, you know, just be a thorn in any starting running back side that happens to grace the Baltimore Ravens. And if that ends up being Melvin Gordon, well, I I think Melvin Gordon probably ends up taking the backup role there. And and you see Gus Edwards in that RB one alongside Lamar Jackson and that offense does what it does best. And they just score bundles of points randomly and we would love to see Lamar return to MVP form because then that offense becomes good 
uh, as it stands, as it was, it, it's a little fearful, you know, without uh, a weapon in the backfield and you, and you kind of just have the, the ground and pounder and, and Gus Edwards. But I think the passing offense is going to be fun and it's good. The, the running game should benefit from that. Um, but at this point, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm not holding my breath for Dobbins. I also don't know if you're, it's necessarily a great time to sell, even though I, I think, his career trend is probably going to continue on that downward arrow. Um, so maybe if you've just had enough, like most people, you can try to find a way out. I just don't really know what you're going to get with real of real value for him at this point. Um, but adding Melvin or Gus Edwards for free, uh, you know, in an offense with Lamar Jackson is never really a bad idea. Yeah, Gus Edwards. I think Gus Edwards, the Gus Edwards Dobbins scenario is like the cheaper version of the P. Ryan, Javante Williams scenario. I think Edwards holds some value if we have a healthy Dobbins. Um, but in the, in, in the event that we have a non-healthy Dobbins, I think that Edwards is going to get the bulk share. Melvin Gordon is non-existent anymore. Like there's no way he can do anything. Like, you know, he, he was on the Chiefs, I guess, for the Super Bowl run and didn't play at all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not counting on Melvin Gordon even making the team, much less taking touches away from, from Gus Edwards. So um, I think Gus Edwards is a very, very good buy from a uh, backup RB perspective, especially if you don't have J.K. Dobbins. If, if you have J.K. Dobbins, obviously it's, it's nice to have the handcuff and protect yourself there, but it's even better if you don't have J.K. Dobbins and like you can benefit from, from not having Dobbins and also gaining Gus Edwards. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's move on to one of the more frustrating uh, signs of free agency uh, for me. And I, I'm not even the biggest Damian Pierce fan, but I do like Devin Singletary. Uh, and I think that the Devin Singletary signing with the Texans ruins both Devin Singletary and Damian Pierce. I My current thought, process is that Devin Singletary is purely a third down back slash goal line guy and Damian Pierce gets the bulk of the work. Um, do we have any thoughts on, on Singletary? Is he purely going to be a bench guy on your teams? Where are we at with Singletary right now? Well, I think it's going to take a little bit for them to realize that they signed a better running back than the running back that they have. Uh, sure. Damian Pierce was nice, you know, racking up four yards of carry and, uh, a couple of touchdowns in one of the most atrocious offenses in the history of the NFL. Uh, and there's not a lot to love about that offense outside of, you know, your your new starting quarterback and 
that's about it. So it's it's going to be a tough spot. I, I think you'll see Singletary used more as a weapon than just a running back. I think you'll see him playing third down out of the backfield. I do think you'll still see him getting enough carries, but I think he's going to play a decent amount of wide receiver for the Houston Texans. Um, I, I, and I uh, only because I don't know who else they're putting on the field, Nathan. If they don't play I mean, Singletary, I mean, John, John Mechie, they have, they actually have like a bevy of guys. I don't know if any of them, any of their guys are the guy. But you a have, bevy? Yeah, we're not going to say a bevy of guys. They Nico have Collins, bodies. They have, all, Dell, they have John barely Mechie. warm bodies. They have barely warm bodies. Yeah, a bevy of bodies. That's what I said. <laughs> um, so I, I mean. I think it'd be interesting to get Singletary some more receiving work, especially on a team that's going to be bad, you know, with the Houston Texans that for some reason traded their first round pick for a, for an edge rusher. Um, so that might not have been the smartest idea. I'm uh, not maybe not. I don't know. I don't know defense, but they, they a defensive lineman. Um, but yes, as far as Singletary and Pierce, I think more likely than not, neither of them matter. I think that if one of them gets hurt, the other matters a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, I still think that Pierce is probably going to end up getting in the ballpark of like 180 carries. But I do think that Devin Singletary is going to be in line for 100 plus and maybe like 60 ish targets. So uh, I think that Singletary can provide some dynasty and or just redraft type value. Um, but I, I think he's going to do so more with his passing game work than his running game work, but I do think that, you know, that that's, that's going to help. So, I mean, what your, your projected starting wide receivers, you're looking at like Noah Brown, Nico Collins, and John Mechie. Uh, they bring in Tank Dell. You bring in Amari Rogers who got cut from the Packers. Um, you have, you, you, you have Robert Woods, which he can help that room because you have a bunch of like, Wildly mediocre outside of John Mechie, who who I mean, genuinely could have been one of the better wide receivers in his class, uh, you know, obviously having having to deal with uh, some some health issues there is a, is a tough break. But he's back. He's healthy. Uh, if he regains all of his strength and everything is is normal, uh, the, the CJ Stroud, John Mechie connection, I, I think, could be a real thing uh, outside of that. Nothing in that offense excites me. But I do still love Devin Singletary. I will be trying to acquire for thirds, I, I think. Um, it might end up having to be like a late second type. But I still think there's enough people that like Damian Pierce and think that he's like super locked in as the bell cow back or, or as at the very least the RB1 in Houston. And I think it's going to be more of an RB1A, RB1B situation with Singletary getting the entirety of of the passing down work plus some extra routes being ran on empty back sets. So um, yeah, I, I, I would honestly at their price, I'm taking Singletary every day of the week over Pierce. Oh, like just straight up at their price, not straight oh, up. Price. I would okay, still okay. prefer Pierce in yeah. a vacuum, but yeah. when you, when you cost consider, I think it's not even close in favor of Singletary. Next, we have uh, the Seattle Seahawks, Zach Charbonnet, Charbonnet, however you want to say it. Um, the question, and I think I know your answer here because we've talked about this at length since the rookie drafts, this is the NFL draft. Zach Charbonnet, pure handcuff, or is there more, more to that? Uh, definitely not pure handcuff. And my reasoning for that is Pete Carroll. 
I don't trust that old <laughs> bastard one bit. You bring in Kenneth Walker, he absolutely dominates, and then you go and get another running back, Zach Char Chardonnay. I'm gonna call him Chardonnay <laughs> from now on. Um, I I don't I don't get it, man. I don't know what why Seattle has to be the way that they are, but it's infuriating. Why can't we just have nice things for once? Yeah, I, I, I think I think he's gonna be a problem. Um I still I still do think that Kenneth Walker is is your lead back, but I also don't think that that means that he's going to dominate touches. I think it's going to be significantly more split than we want it to be, and I hate that for us. I hate it. I'm not I'm probably in the state of not buying either and selling Walker if I can get you know, like a probably a top fifty price on him, uh, just because I I really don't trust Pete Carroll in, in Seattle at all. Got it. So you're you're more so frustrated by the by Walker than you are fading uh, Charbonnet. Yeah, well, I I mean, Charbonnet he really only has upside, right? Yeah. I mean, you go into a spot with a, an established back, and you have no floor. You're chasing upside. The issue is it's Pete Carroll, and he's going to find a way to get him touches. So I think you'll see a lot of two-back sets. I think you'll see him splitting one of these guys out occasionally. Um, but, you know, there, there's a chance that they just split it down the middle and each one of them get 150 carries, and we all cry. That would be very sad. Yeah, my, my, my take from a short-term perspective on, on him is I, I actually think he's more so handcuffed. I think that Walker's going to end up leading the team in touches by, you know, 5 to 10 touches per game. Um, I, I think that very much so out of all the backup running backs, he is most in line for an increase if, and what, if his starter were to get injured. Um, I think that he goes from, you know, five to six touches a game to 20 touches a game without Walker and without Walker in place. So um, definitely, like you said, all upside for, for Charbonnet, but I think that with a healthy Walker, I don't see a lot in 2023, maybe, maybe a tick up in 2024 and beyond, but I do think it's a very low floor play in 2023. All right, we'll wrap up before we get into a quick game of keep trade drop. AJ Dillon, I think would probably be considered by most the best backup running back in the NFL, if he even is a backup running back anymore. Um, he's been in a one-two punch with AJ Dillon for most of his career, I mean, for all, all of AJ Dillon's career. Um, he is a pending free agent. Um, so let, let's start from a dynasty perspective. Do you see AJ Dillon going somewhere with for workhorse touches in 2024? Do you see him staying in Green Bay and splitting with Aaron Jones on the long-term contract? Where do you see uh, AJ Dillon's? Not even necessarily like where he's playing, but more so where where are his touches going to be? Is it going to be more the same where it's 10 to 12 a game, or does he have opportunity to, to vault towards that work, workhorse touches with a new contract? I do think that he he could be a workhorse type back. Elsewhere, my my one slight fear would be uh, the ability in the passing game. I, I think he's great between the tackles. I think that's where he makes the most sense. Um, and he does have a little bit of work in the passing game. I, I, I would argue he was one of the better pass catching backs in like 2021, where I think he only I think he had, he caught like 34 out of 37 targets. Um, a little bit of a down a, a downward you know, trajectory this year, but I think he could do it, but I, I would say, I don't think he's the best. Um, 
And Aaron Jones is very, very good catching passes out of the backfield. So that that is, uh, I would say, the downside of staying with Green Bay. But also staying with Green Bay, you're essentially guaranteeing yourself 180 carries and 40 targets, uh, even with Aaron Jones. And that keeps both of these guys healthy. Both of them will be fantasy relevant. I think you very easily could see dual 1,000-yard rushers uh, on this team. So, yes, uh, they are limiting each of these guys uh, from, you know, attaining a a high, high ceiling. But I I think it's kind of crazy to say that they both have really high floors because I think they're both guaranteed so many touches. I do think A.J. Dillon is a starter-level running back. I think I would take him over several starting running backs in the NFL right now. Um, De- definitely over the whole Bucks backfield. <laughs> yes, I, I, and if he didn't want to leave the NFC North, if he if he's enjoying himself, I could very well see him as a Minnesota Viking in, in the near future because he's worlds beyond Alexander Madison. But again, he's not going anywhere this year. Uh, I do think that he probably moves on only because Aaron Jones uh, has a fairly fresh contract, no? Yeah, he signed a long-term extension last year. Long-term for, I think it was a four- or five-year deal. Yeah, four four-year extension, but I, I think they're are they team options or player options after the third year, something like that. I, either way, I don't see them spending like forty million dollars on the running back position, especially on a team that you know is still like probably building back up from the the Aaron Rodgers era. Well, um, it depends on how Jordan Love is. If Jordan Love sucks, yep. yes. If Jordan Love ends up being halfway decent, they they can try to throw themselves into the mix a lot faster. Yeah, definitely. But either way, I think that, like you said, high floor guy for 2023, and then the ceiling moves up exponentially if he detaches from Aaron Jones, either through the Packers cutting Aaron Jones and signing A.J. Dillon long-term, or A.J. Dillon going to a new team. I think that he definitely has a big potential swing in value with free agency. So if you're, if you're, a, you know, you're not often targeting the RB position in a rebuild, especially a, a guy, you know, leaving his uh, first uh, contract. But if you're going to target a veteran running back in a rebuild, I think AJ Dillon's the guy to do it only because he's going to be a, a market play. He's going to be more expensive in four months than he is today. Yeah, and and you know if a return to Green Bay is what's in the cards, the Packers have set them up, have set themselves up quite well here because Aaron Jones will be thirty, uh, AJ Dillon be, his contract will be expiring, and the Packers will have an out on Aaron Jones if they choose to take that, or you, you know you you live through that last year, last two years of his contract, you you start to slowly shift. You put AJ Dillon in that lead role. You put Aaron Jones in, in the you know the backup role. You let Aaron Jones do a little bit more of the pass catching, and you feed AJ Dillon a little bit more. Get him over that 200 carry mark, maybe into that 220 range, and you kind of let Aaron Jones right after the sunset, and and still pay him along the way. And you also pay AJ Dillon. I will say, uh, I think because of the running back market, that that might be more in play than then maybe we would believe is an A.J. Dillon return, especially if he's enjoying himself in Green Bay. I've never heard anything negative coming from him or his camp. So um, I I will say uh, A.J. Dillon is one of of probably my highest-owned running backs in Dynasty, in fantasy in general. I I just – I love what he does. I think he's a great player. 
Um, and I think he definitely is overdue for a, a bell cow type role, or at the very least a starting back role, even though what they're doing in green Bay is very clearly working as far as the backfield goes. Yep. All right. Before we get into a rousing edition of keep trade drop, I said it earlier in the show, we talked about the range of outcomes app. It's my favorite thing to talk about on this show. AJ Dillon, his range of outcomes app is actually not pretty because uh, he uh, has some lower outcomes just because of the fact that he's been a running uh, back and running back for most of his career. But he does have outcomes within every number from 10 to 20. He he has a, a ceiling of 20 points and he has like his most likely outcomes are eight and 10 points. So um, that's probably more so a usage issue rather than, you know, a talent issue. Uh, but you know what usage usage is the road of his past with promo code RV radio 2023. I don't know if you, uh, that was the right sentence to use, but you should, you should, you should use the road of his past with RV radio 2023. This is the worst ad read I've ever done. So make sure you subscribe and support the podcast. That was great. All right. Keep trade drop. This might be the, the grossest, most boring, not boring, boring is the wrong words. I'm not telling you to turn off the podcast. Uh, <laughs> the most, uh, Useless keep trade drop we've ever done. Backup running back edition. Start off with the guys behind the elite running backs or perceived elite running backs. Tyler Algier, Elijah Mitchell, Jerome Ford. Keep trade drop, Dan. Well, right off the top, I'm trading Tyler Algier. Yes, you know, they bring in B. John Robinson, and that's the perceived threat. Uh, but Tyler Algier still carries a decent amount of value when you look at these three players. He very easily has the most and i think he has the least upside of the three of them i'm trading tyler algier i'm keeping jerome ford surprisingly i think he's going to do more in that cleveland backfield especially in the past game than people are are wanting to believe i I know we all want nick chubb to have 300 carries and 150 targets i get it we all want that that's not going to happen jerome ford is going to do a lot more of the pass catching work he's definitely a, a plus in the passing game for cleveland and they'll they'll do they'll use him to spell Nick Chubb when they can. I, I don't know if it'll necessarily be as much as like peak Kareem Hunt Nick Chubb at that tandem, uh, but I, I do think that he'll definitely take a hundred percent of what Kareem Hunt did last year because it wasn't much, um, and, and there's no reason to believe that Jerome Ford can't do what what Kareem Hunt was doing it, it you know as well if not better. So I'm keeping Ford. I'm trading Algier. And I'm dropping Elijah Mitchell just because I I don't think I I don't think he really holds a candle to either one of these guys as far as overall ability. I think what we saw uh, the one year was very flash in the panish, and I I don't know that he sees the field all that much. Yeah, I think for me this keep trade drop depends on the calendar. I think that if this were September first, I would be keeping Jerome Ford. Uh, the problem is I think we have a whole month of August and several free agent running backs still on the table that I think are legitimate possibilities for the Browns to sign. I don't necessarily see the Browns going into the season with the Chubb Ford one-two punch. So that's why I'm going to drop Jerome Ford. I'm dropping Jerome Ford only because I think that he's going to lose his job to a free agent in August. That's obviously something to project, but that's what I'm projecting. Um, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep Elijah Mitchell. Um, because I think he's the most secure in his role here. Like he has an established role. He's the backup to uh, Christian McCaffrey. He's going to, you know, get some goal line work. And then I'm going to trade Tyler Algier because I think that a lot of people just see, okay, he's the youngest guy. He's 
potentially going to be in a young, young, exciting offense if Ritter's any good. So trading Algier, keeping Mitchell, and also you have like the upside of like Christian McCaffrey's quote unquote injury prone. And I'm dropping Jerome Ford because he's the only one among these three that could tank in value over the next month. There. All right. Next, we have a rookie trio of keep trade drop. We have Tyje Spears, Roshan Johnson, and Tank Bigsby. I don't think you like any of these guys, Dan. So have fun with this. <laughs> I was gonna say, can I drop all of them? Um, I, I think I'm keeping. I'm, I'm gonna start with who I'm keeping. I, I think I'm keeping Tank Bigsby. Uh, I, I think that there's some upside and there's some missed opportunity in that offense in Jacksonville. Um. We all love Travis Etienne, you know, and and obviously Trevor Lawrence has turned into one of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, but there's there's a little more to be desired in that offense, I think. And I think Bigsby could provide more than than what Etienne can provide, especially between the tackles. Etienne to me is kind of your your shady McCoy. You need to get him in space. Uh, use him more in the passing game. That offense is going to be fun this year. That that I will say. Uh, I'm, I'm going to keep Tank Bigsby just because I do think that there is a role for him in Jacksonville, and he can help spell uh, Travis Etienne. I am going to drop Tajay Spears because who? Uh, and I'm trading Roshan Johnson because everyone and their cousin believes that he's the A, the second coming, and B, that he's just automatically the starting running back in Chicago, and he's very clearly the third string. Behind who? Uh, they're two better running backs. Khalil Herbert. Who they are. <laughs> <laughs> Khalil Herbert is absolutely in front of him. And uh, now you put me on the spot. I can't remember. Travis, Travis Homer is the other guy you're talking about? No, there's some, they have somebody else. Oh, uh, they have Foreman? They do have Foreman. Yeah, Dante Foreman. Dante Foreman is the starter. He is the starter. Nathan, he is the starter. <laughs> Khalil Herbert is the backup. Nathan, he is the backup. Nathan, Khalil Herbert is the backup. Uh-huh. Roshan Johnson is not relevant. He is not relevant. As a day three running back, who cares? Okay. Uh, you know what? I think that I think I'm going to agree with you. I'm going I'm to keep. <laughs> Exciting I'm gonna keep podcast. I, I'm going I'm to keep Tank Bigsby. Uh, Jaguars offense, young, exciting offense. I, I think that he could definitely be a goal line type guy and destroy all my Travis Etienne chairs and make me sad. Um, so I'll keep Tank Bixby. I'll trade uh, Roshan Johnson for the Bears hype. And Ty J. Spears, like his floor is zero. Like legitimately zero. Uh, it's negative, actually. It's a negative number. It's not even zero. <laughs> so so he's the drop. And we'll wrap up the show with one more Um we have some mix of young guys, old guys, rookies, uh, keep trade drop, Chris Rodriguez, Isaiah Spiller, Kareem Hunt. All right, before we start, can you explain to me, like I'm a five-year-old, who Chris Rodriguez is? So he played at uh, University of Kentucky. He I'm was... out. I'm dropping Chris <laughs> Rodriguez. <laughs> I... I'm going to keep Kareem Hunt because I do think that he signs somewhere, possibly back in Cleveland, possibly in one of these places that just has a hodgepodge of random running backs who are going to end up, uh, you know, doing something like Chicago. Uh, yeah, even though I do think Dante Farm is very clearly the RB1 there. Uh, and I, I'm i going to trade Isaiah Spiller just because for some reason, 
I don't know if it's the spiller part or the landing spot or people thinking he was good at some point in time, but he still carries some kind of value. It's not a lot of value, but people, I, I see trades for him. I see people making offers for him in places. I don't get it. I don't see it not happening. I'm still trading Isaiah Spiller, dropping Chris Rodriguez, keeping Kareem Hunt. Uh, but this one, this one sucks worse than the last one, Nathan. Okay. I am one of the aforementioned Isaiah Spiller believers. Um, it's an illness, uh, but also uh, Austin Eckler is going to be a free agent after the year. Um, I, I'll put it this way. Isaiah Spiller cannot possibly have as bad of a 2023 as he had a 2022. Like, he dropped to the fourth round of the NFL draft. He couldn't make the, the active roster, uh, you know, in front of uh, Josh Kelly. Uh, I think he's going to end up being the RB2 in, in, in Los Angeles for the Chargers, and I still believe in his talent from Texas A&M. So I, I, I do still like Isaiah Spiller a decent bit, and so I'm going to take a home run swing with all these guys. It's Isaiah Spiller. I'm going to drop Chris Rodriguez. Um, that Washington backfield is interesting, um, and Rodriguez adds some interest to it, I guess. But I think if you're going on the open market, like I have to trade Kareem Hunt or Rodriguez, you're much more likely to find – the Kareem Hunt enthusiast than you are the Chris Rodriguez enthusiast. I mean, I think there's a there's a better chance that Chris Rodriguez doesn't even make that team than making one of my teams. <laughs> All righty. That should wrap us up for this week. We will talk to you guys next week. Any last words, Dan? Everybody show your running backs a little bit of love. They've been going through a tough time. <laughs> we had to give the backup some love today. You know, call your local running back. Give them some love. Alrighty, that wraps up for this week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hello.